0: What would you say would be the most spectacular, amazing sight in all of history of the universe? <laughs> okay, he's being honest. <laughs> there we go, we know what his favorite thing is. Since we have a great interest in the Bible think of some highlights that go through the Bible that would be really, really cool to see. And more than cool. Could it be the Garden of Eden? Wouldn't that be neat to see? How about Moses at the burning bush? How about Moses and the Israelites crossing the, (coughs) the Red Sea? How about the walls of Jericho falling down? Would you like to see that? How about Solomon's temple as it was being Uh, dedicated? How about Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River? Or how about Him turning water into wine? Or how about raising Lazarus back to life? Wouldn't that be a fantastic thing to see? How about Jesus' resurrection and His ascension into heaven? How about His transfiguration on the Mount of Transfiguration? Uh... Yeah, those are amazing things. How about Paul being kicked off of his horse and being blinded so that he could be drawn to Christ? <laughs> you know, some of those things are uh, absolutely significant events throughout Scripture. You have one after another, don't you? There is one event that far exceeds any of these. The greatest sights in all of history, <laughs> you can imagine. Ever will be this radiant, brilliant, magnificent, stupendous, blazing, glorious return of Jesus Christ. Amen. I was trying to think of a lot of adjectives, for it, and it still doesn't fit it. I tried to come up with some pictures. You know, and how could you do that? How, how can you come up with anything that will even compare to what that is? The greatest sight ever, ever. This coming attraction that will be here. Nothing at any time, anywhere, could ever even compare with what is to come. Uh, think of your favorite movie. Think of your favorite concert group or theatric event. Spectacular sights like uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone Park, magnificent scenery there, it's great to see. The Great Lakes, the ocean, the beach, Disneyland, well, I'll tell you what, you probably can't go to any of those places <laughs> now, they're probably all shut. Shut down, you can't see it, the time that we live in now, all right. Uh, but none of those can even hold a candle. To the absolute beauty of Christ splitting the eastern sky, cracking the sky for everybody in the world to see. Nothing can begin to compare with this. And I tried to come up with pictorial words so that you could grab this. But I still fell short. I looked at commentary after commentary wanting more words than what I had there. And they didn't even have as good as what we just heard. (laughs) They didn't have some even those words. But He's coming back in all of His glory. Nothing can compete with this concert of the ages. I mean, you're talking about a light show? This will be the light show of all eternity. Now, you ask, will I be able to see this? When is this going to be? I want to see this. This, you know, everybody wants to see the greatest thing, right? Well, you would say, I can't miss this. I gotta see this. Well, the disciples were asking the question. What is this going to be? What's the sign of your return? Uh, Do we ask the same question? Yeah, well, he didn't tell them exactly when it was going to be, but he did give the signs for them to be intelligently uh, thinking about this kingdom that is coming. So he told them about the future. Is that the grace of God to be able to tell us what is going to come? Well, very, very gracious of Him. He told them that there would be false messiahs. He told them that there would be wars and rumors, of wars, nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. He told them also, He said, there will be famines, earthquakes, plagues, which is viruses... (laughs) It's all over the world. We've never seen this in our lifetime of what's happening. Uh, Is this kind of thing going to continue? Yeah, he says these are all just birth pains. It's going to get worse. It's hard to imagine right now with everything being shut down. Cities like New York City, state of New York, California being shut down. Uh, other places Kansas City I understand is supposed to be shutting down all the essentials and I'm sure this Jeff City will probably be the same thing if that happens we're close to that I'm not trying to predict things but logically that's what's happening now if it's this way now like we're saying I've never seen this well nobody has who never experienced by the grace of God we sit here today Thank you guys for coming out. I don't think we're going to infect each other. There's not a lot of us here. But even if all of us were here, I don't think that that would be a problem. Unless one of us has it. And that could very well be. But I think you're here because you trust in the Lord and you want to worship and trust in Him. Right? But at the same time, we want to be logically thinking. And who knows? We may not be able to be here next week, or the week following. We may not be here for months. I mean, it might be at that point that we all start getting this virus and we can't meet. I'm just saying that I'm not so sure about that at all. I don't know about that, but I say it could be. This could be the last time we ever meet, for that matter, every time we come here. That's the way it is. But I'm looking at it as okay, we're here this week, and we get to read a section of the Bible that I think is the most exciting thing we could ever hear about. And if this bores us, now my speaking may bore you, but the Word of God here is exciting. And so, if this is it, may it go off with a huge bang. You know what? Praise God. (laughs) Now, see, my prophecies are not accurate. But Christ's are. So I'm just saying, here's possibilities. I'm hoping that we'll be here next week. I'm hoping we can meet Tuesdays. Sundays. Who knows what's going to happen. God does. But I do want to remind ourselves that as we come to this section, of this portion, that this is how history will end. There's actually at least seven more years left. Honestly, as I read this section of about where we have been, I really don't want to be here the last seven years. (laughs) Because it will be the worst time ever in the history of mankind to live here on this earth. And you know what? This is the real story of the end of the earth as we know it now I think it's it's exciting and it's what we're going through now I'm telling you we're getting a real taste just a taste it's a morsel of what will be to come things will change drastically so let's go to the word of God as we're talking about good news here today. Let's stand and let's read this section out of Luke 21, starting at verse 25. There will be signs at sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, Men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Father, great God, even today, even though we're not in the tribulation, we do know that our redemption is drawing near. You have redeemed us. You are redeeming, redeeming us, saving us. And you will finally redeem us to new bodies. And that's what we look for, your glory. And as you come back, the most glorious sight ever will be put on display in the skies and that we take great rejoicing. We look forward to this time and we praise you, Lord, for your word in giving us truth of what is going to happen because we can take great comfort knowing that your plan is being done even right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. we got good news for you today. If you're a Christian, your redemption is drawing near. It means it's getting close. It's closer than it ever has been before. I can say that, can't I? It's never been this far. We know, we now see that as things shut down, how serious things can be where it's not the normal. It's going to be a a, a lot of jobs that are lost. People are not going to have income, won't have the means to buy food. What will happen later? Well, here we go. Now we've advanced this. The Great Tribulation is what we talked about last week. That's the last three and a half years. Now we've come to the point of where Christ is coming back physically, visibly. He's going to wrap it up. So, when evil demons, evil spirits, evil men have finished their course... Of their sin and rebellion, when all the world of sin and vice and iniquity has come to its exhaustion, it's come to that point, the holocaust of final judgment is brought forth, it will come. Our parallel passage that's in Matthew 24, verse 29, says, But immediately, after the tribulation of those days, immediately means, boom! As soon as that tribulation period is over, that means Christ is here. The the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Sounds like our look passage, doesn't it? And that's the context. It is immediately after the tribulation the signs are seen in the sky the sun, the moon, The stars, all affected, they're going to go out. What would happen if our electricity went out? Well, we wouldn't have any power. And if it's night, it would be pretty dark. If it's day, you wouldn't be able to get internet, right? (laughs) The stars go out as well. Blackness covers the whole universe, at the same time, the seas begin to roar and the waves turn into a tumult. I was talking to Penny earlier and we're talking about something like what a tsunami was thats that has happened before. that has gone completely over the land just washing things away. Cars and houses and everything that is close to that. Just overtaking. That has already happened. Well, I want to tell you, at this time it's going to be a hundred times worse than anything that we've ever seen on TV in the news. No matter how disastrous that is that birth pains have been happening for 2,000 years. I believe the birth pains are really picking it up right now in our lifetime and now here in 2020. We've seen it. We've seen it. Powers of the heavens being shaken Something that the people have never seen. They're staggering at this time. It's the biggest event in the history of the world. Nothing ever bigger than this. The whole world will see this. Everybody will. Only a few people ever saw Jesus when He came in the first time. Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, maybe a few people in Bethlehem. That was it. His first coming was very humble, wasn't it? And then he came in presenting himself as king 30 plus years later riding on a donkey in a very humble way. It was humble all the way through his life. Humbly even to the point of death. That was the first coming. Second coming, everyone on the face of the earth, is going to know it. It's the greatest, most widespread event in the history of the world. God is setting the stage here as he brings us forth, and he presents a backdrop on the stage. The backdrop is absolute, total darkness. It's like he's just going to turn the switch. His switch, he doesn't even have to use his hand. He just thinks that the lights go out. All lights. Nothing of light at all. Just before Christ comes back, it's as dark as it could possibly be. Like being in a dark cave where you can't see a thing. For he comes, the universe goes black, and out of that blackness comes Christ in blazing glory. The lightning flash in the eastern sky cracks the sky its absolute light with nothing but black all around. Everybody in the world will see this. Flaming fire and judgment Light, blazing glory, flaming fire. Whatever the lights go out, the light of the world appears for all to see. Disciples, actually, I don't think were too shocked about this statement. Because they already knew it. You say, well, how's that? coming teaching. Jesus is teaching this for the first time. Well, really all he's doing is teaching what has already been taught. He just gives a little bit more details and telling him it's him that's going to do this. It's him that's coming back right here as he stands at the person. Well, um, They knew about this. They knew about final judgment. Let's look in the Old Testament to see what they thought and already knew because it was written in their Bible. Isaiah 13, starting at verse 6. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will fall limp, and every man's heart will melt. They'll be terrified, pains and anguish will take hold of them. They will like a woman in labor. They will look at one another in astonishment. Their faces aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. Cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation. And He will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I'll put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. Stop there. This is the judgment. This is the day of the Lord. This is before the Messiah comes, actually comes back. Did the disciples ever read Isaiah? Did they ever hear it read in the synagogue? No doubt. This is about the day of God's judgment. What did it say in verse 10? Stars of heaven. The constellations. Are we talking the real stars? Are we just talking meteors? No, we're talking real stars go out. We're talking about they won't flash their light. The sun will go dark. The moon obviously will not shine because the sun is out. There's no light. Was this news to the disciples? No, not at all. He's telling them this is when the sign that you ask about, when's the sign that you're going to come? Or the Messiah is really going to start His kingdom? He says this is it right here. He's talking about the absolute judgment. Now, to turn to chapter 24, verse 23. Isn't this exciting? This is all truth. Then the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and His glory will be before His elders. Turn to Joel, chapter 2. Verse 10, before them the earthquakes, remember the birth pains, earthquakes are rapidly and also very much in the, I guess you could say as far as the scales are concerned, are bigger and most dangerous than ever before and they are getting closer together. It's almost every day you will hear about some earthquake somewhere. You get rumbles in South Missouri quite frequently. The earthquakes, the heavens tremble. But that's, this is not the end now, is it? There's just going to be more and more of them. The sun and the moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. Go to verse 30. I will display wonders in the sky. If anybody wants to see anything, what's the easiest way for everybody to see it? Just look up. I'll display this. Wonders in the sky and on the earth. Blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness again. Does this sound like what we've already read? And the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Just before Christ comes back, the lights go out entirely. How long could it be for? I don't know. Minutes? How about hours? How about a few days? Well, that'd shake people up, wouldn't it? No light anywhere for days. How about a few weeks? But immediately, it says, so I have to think it's very, very quickly that, that this happens. It's part of the seventh bone judgment right at the end of that. Go to Joel 3, 14 and 15. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for His people, and a stronghold in the sun's of Israel, then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, so Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more Zephaniah one fourteen This is all written by different prophets Zephaniah one fourteen "...near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord in it, the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day. A day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation. A day of what? Darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness." Zechariah chapter 14. One of my favorites of all these Old Testament prophecies. You know, we're reading different accounts of that same day. There must be something very, 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 very important about the second coming of Christ. Why don't people talk about the second coming of Christ more than they do? This is the most exciting event that will ever happen on the face of this earth till the Kingdom comes. (laughs) Zechariah 14 verse 1 says, Behold a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. We've already read that we talked about that last week this this starts off the Great Tribulation goes all the way through three and a half years The city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. That's the ones he says, get out. Leave, run, go swift as you can. Get out of there because they will kill you. Your only hope is to get out of there. Run, get out of the city. Then the Lord, and here we go. Here's at the end of this great tribulation. The Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle in that day. Which day? When he comes back. His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. We know exactly where he's coming back, don't we? That's the very same place as where he left and he'll come back in the same place. How do you know he left there? Well, Acts 1 tells us that, doesn't it? Why do you men stare at him going up? You know, he's he's levitating. They're going up like that. That was a great scene, wasn't it? Can you imagine? Wouldn't you like to have been there to see the ascension? Well, yeah, obviously, that would have been quite a sight something much better than that. He's going to come back in all of His power and glory. He goes and He ascends and the angel says, why are you in such all of that? He will come back in the clouds of glory to the same place. And Zechariah tells this here like 400 years later or something like that, right? A few hundred years later. Which is in front of Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley so that half of the mountain will move toward the north, the other half toward the south. You will flee by the valley of my mountains for the valley that the mountains will reach to Azel. Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days. He says, I've got a big judgment to make here. of Uzziah king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. Who are the holy ones that are coming back? The angels? Who else? Us. The church, the body of Christ. And here we go. In that day, there will be no light. What have we just read? By Jesus, by the Old Testament prophets... It's the same thing. And a lot of people say this has already happened at seventy AD. Oh, he came back to the Mount of Olives? Did he really? No, he came back spiritually. And so therefore the Son of Man was there up in the clouds and in you know in the sky and making destruction happen in Jerusalem. So therefore it's done. What? I, I call that a heresy. That's ignoring what Zechariah is just speaking about. And the armies, the nations, were not from all over the world. It was the Roman army that was there. And that was just a picture in 70 AD of what the (laughs) ultimate will be. There's been no time before it and no time ever like it. But you do ask those people, is he going to land on the Mount of Olives? And they go, well, yeah, Zechariah says it. But what do they do with the rest? They have they ignore it, and and it talks about the kingdom after this. This is the context. It's so frustrating. Um, and and so all of a sudden they start spiritualizing it. Mount of Olives is real, but the rest of this, it's some kind of pie in the sky. You know, I don't know what's going on, but uh, you know, it's it, everything's all going to work out in the end. You know, the, the what the pan millennialist, it'll it'll all pan out in the end. Don't don't buy that. We've got it right here. This when he says run, flee, you know, he's talking real things here. Here we go. In that day, there will be no light. The luminaries will dwindle. They will go out. For it will be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, but humankind has never experienced anything like this ever. Neither day nor night. But it will come about that at evening time there will be light. Wait, I thought it was supposed to be dark. Well, it's already been dark. Christ has come back. You know what? The sun is out. The stars are out. I mean, they're black. The moon is black because the sun is darkened. And you have Christ in the midst of it all. The light comes from Him. What's the definition and the very character and nature of Christ? He is light. Light. Everything is illuminating. He illuminates the whole world when He comes back. Incredible. Living waters are going to flow out of Jerusalem and half toward the eastern sea the Dead Sea, the other half toward the Western Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. It'll be in summer as well as in winter. Your seasons all of a sudden change. They come together. The light is there. By the way, turn to Isaiah 30, verse 26. And this is really enlightening, literally. Check this out. I love this. I just love this. Are you ready? Isaiah 30, 26. Catch on to this. The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. What? I thought this was supposed to be dark. And the light of the sun will be seven times brighter like the light of seven days on the day the Lord binds up the fracture of His people and heals the bruise He has inflicted. After He comes back, all of a sudden, we are going to have light. It'll be like the moon at nighttime. Whenever it is full moon, no. It'll be like the sun shining at night. What's it going to be like in the day? It's going to be seven times brighter than noontime day on June 21st. <laughs> Do you get the idea? It's going to be a unique time that we've never experienced before. Sounds to me like it's not going to be dark anymore. It's going to be light in the way that He intends it. Seven times brighter. I'm amazed at this. Are you amazed? But it has to go dark first. We live in a dark world, folks. And I think it's becoming darker and darker and darker. Sin has amounted in such a a way that we can't even imagine it. When you really think about it, how easy it is for people to sin because of technology. But man's nature is already there. Now, turn to... Revelations chapter 6 that was Old Testament we've seen what Jesus said John who was a disciple on the Isle of Patmos writes down what God tells him he's the last disciple living he's in his 90's chapter 6 verse 12 I looked when he broke the sixth seal. This is all supernatural, folks. And there was a great earthquake and the sun became black, as sackcloth made of air, and the whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. I mean, catastrophic events in the sky. Would you be shaken by this? Would you be scared of this? the sky was split and apart like a scroll when it rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne. We want to die. Just kill us now. Rocks fall on us because we don't want to face... His judgment. They've already gotten it. And from the wrath of the Lamb, they know, everybody knows who He is when He comes back. Isn't that interesting? Mostly unbelievers. There's still believers there, obviously. But there will be unbelievers in big numbers. And they'll all know who He is. The wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? His people, okay. Uh, Revelation nine verse twelve, and I think, uh, why don't we turn to sixteen? Revelation 16, uh, starting about verse 8. The fourth angel. These are the bowl judgments. Remember, you have the seals. You have the trumpets. The last few months. And then you have the bowls, which are the last few days, a few hours. The fourth uh, angel poured out his bowl upon the sun. And it was given it to scorch men with fire. Just before it goes out, it's scorching people. Men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give Him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. That's hardness at its ultimate. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river the Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together, for the war of the great day of God the almighty there all the armies are coming it's Armageddon now is together in Israel. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which is in the Hebrew is called har Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. I'm going to stop there. (laughs) We can go on, isn't this? uh, This is judgment. Judgment. It's either glory for the believers as they see Christ coming back, or it's judgment upon the unbelievers. They don't repent. They cuss and blaspheme our great Lord and Savior. And when He does come back, they all know exactly who He is and what He's doing. The visions of John here in Revelation, the words of Jesus match perfectly, don't they? The Old Testament prophets saying the same thing. Not in contention with each other and they were all written over the course of what? uh, 500 years? 700 at the most? But that's a long period of time. A lot of them never even knew each other. Either, now, as we look at this, it's it's a chaos. It's pitch black. Here comes Christ. So as we, we look at our Luke passage again now, there will be signs and sun and moon and stars. Now, we, we've already covered that, right? That's what we were kind of looking at, plus a few other things. And then he says, On the earth, dismay among nations and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and waves, men fainting from fear and expectation of things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The roaring of the seas and waves. Uh-oh. That's found in in, uh, verse 25. And then, of course, our uh, powers of the heavens is found in 26 at the end of it there. Um, I'm a little late on that. I guess you have your outlines anyway, right? Sorry about that. I sometimes forget to turn it. But that's where (laughs) we've been, right? Um, The roaring of the seas and the waves, they refer to changes maybe which God is going to impose on all of creation, right? And of course he's doing that. It also could be a secondary cause. It's always primary cause. That means it comes straight from God. But there's secondary causes as it could refer to the effects of nuclear winter. Have you heard of nuclear winter? It's caused by the final war at the end of the tribulation period. Season. Just everything going crazy. The skies now are just going nuts. You've got st- uh, stars actually going out. You've got all sorts of things in space just careening going out of orbit, coming close to the earth. And here's what we could ask. A scientist was asking a question, what could happen if a rogue planet got away and came too near the earth. This scientist is called Belikovsky. He wrote about this in as scientific way as he possibly could. If such a thing were to happen, it would affect the delicate balance that this planet has, doesn't it? Even if it was still like thousands and thousands of miles away from us. He said this. Here's what he wrote. It could readily cause it to tilt a few degrees on its axis. It is so perfectly aligned on that axis that even the smallest tilt would produce this. Here's his description now. At that moment, an earthquake would make the earth shudder. Air and water would continue to move through inertia. Hurricanes would sweep the earth. The seas would rush over continents carrying gravel and sand and marine animals and casting them on the land. Heat would be developed, rocks would melt, volcanoes would erupt, Lava would flow from fissures in the ruptured ground covering vast land areas. Mountains would spring up from the plains and would travel and climb on the shoulders of other mountains, causing faults and rifts. Lakes would be tilted and emptied, rivers would change their beds, large land areas with all the inhabitants would slip under the sea. Forests would burn and the hurricane and wild seas would wrest them from the ground from which they grew and pile them branch and root in huge heaps. Seas would turn into deserts, their waters flowing wildly away. Just a slight tilt. Whew. this is from a scientist Blavatsky a Russian scientist Belikovsky I'm sorry I just think something. so but he's just putting in imagination of course this has never happened how can you draw from it but just knowing that if the earth axis would be affected in the least nth degree That's the kind of things that could happen. You're talking about tsunamis? We're talking about tsunamis on steroids taking over continents. You Remember birth pains? We're in the birth pains, folks. We are in them now. We're not in this, what we're just describing, but we're definitely in the birth pains. We're going to see more of that. I wish they could tell you, no, it's going to be a get, a lot, get a lot better here. You know, I, I think positive a lot. Sometimes I think negative. But I think negative here because this is what is written. I have no other option. But I can tell you, I take great news in the fact as soon as that light comes back and we're with Him and knowing that it's going to be light for eternity and we're going to have glorified eyeballs and we're going to see colors that we can not even imagine. It'll be so brilliant, so beautiful this place will be, that we can't get the words to describe it. That's what I've been working on, and I can't get the words right. The powers of the heavens shaking are shaken, and Haggai, another old testament prophecy. Haggai, you really gotta search for it. It's right there sandwiched in some of the other minor prophets. Agai 2, 6 and 7 says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. He's coming back in glory. He's going to shake this earth. He's going to shake all of heavens. Can you imagine how frightening this could be? Can you imagine the news of how they would tell how things are? And you know what? In that day, they can't exaggerate. They won't even be able to tell how bad it really is. Today, I think they magnify things a lot worse than what it really is. They've always done that on the news and like to get people in terror and fright. They love to make people get in fear and then wrap them around their little fingers and see what we did with them. They've been doing that for years. I'm not saying necessarily in this deal here it's to be taken seriously, this coronavirus, and I might wind up having it tomorrow. And then they say, Dennis, you said that this was not, you know, it's like, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. We could all get sick. But do any of us really fear it? What's the worst that can happen? Got to be with the Lord. <laughs> I'm not saying we're going to die from it. What can happen? What if one of us did? We would all mourn for that person, wouldn't we? Right. But at the same time, if that's I was talking to Tony the other night, if this is the time that the Lord has it for me to go, then that's in his plan and and we can't stop it. Praise God. And I said, you know what? That's absolutely right. And that's believing in a sovereign God. If He's already got the time plan, we can't change it. But He also gives us a mind to think, and if things are at a point where we can't be meeting together like this, Because of this virus, then okay, we will use our attention that has been given to that. We'll use wisdom and say, okay, you know, the Lord gives us other options. By the way, I put all the messages, Sundays and Tuesdays, on the internet. You can go there and at a moment's time, I will get it up a lot quicker from now on. I will try to get it same day and and, uh, hopefully get that up uh, if people want to go in to that and listen to it, and you can read them too. Uh, pretty well word for word that I have on the notes. If you guys wonder about that, it says attached as a document. So there it is, so you can read along with hearing it. Don't have the visual things going on yet, but uh, I may do this at home. If we can't meet here, I'll send it out, okay? I'll let you know. Uh, Especially if it goes on much longer. Okay, I put reality in with this future, maybe out of context, or is it in context? Does it help us? There's a place in Texas that they're already doing that. Sure. Uh, And a lot of churches are doing that today. I think most churches, what I understand here in Jeff City, have closed down. A lot of them are bigger. We're a small church. Nobody has it as far as we know. We're keeping our distance. We're keeping the rules, right? We're not, you know, if somebody's in here coughing, I'd probably say, um, you might want to just go on home. You know, right? Uh, Just using common sense. But if we can continue, hopefully we can continue to meet like this. Maybe few of us, but uh, like Michael said, he says, I don't care what's going on, uh, I will continue to come. Of course, when you're sick, we'll say, no, Michael, you got to stay <laughs> home. <right? laughs> but you know what? That was a great deal of encouragement to me, Michael, because whenever I heard that, and I already knew that, because we've had snows, and nothing stops Michael or a lot of you the same, same people, uh, because you just want to come and worship God, and this is the thing we do, and it's a great habit. It's the best habit you can have. But it's great to see God's people. And without this, I'll tell you what, if I were sitting at home today, I honestly would probably be feeling guilty, number one. Number two, I'd really be missing fellowship. That I get encouragement from every one of you in a lot of ways. If I don't get that encouragement that way, I really miss it. But I got a feeling I'm not the only one, right? This is valuable. Okay, so the roaring seas see what that could happen, we read Haggai, the power that holds the heavenly bodies in orbit are going to go out of order. They will be altered. I don't know what all that means, but if it means the sun going out, I believe it literally. If it means stars will be falling, I literally take that. You say, well, what? They can't fall to Earth because they're huge. They're bigger than Earth. Earth would totally demolish. All I can say is you've got millions and millions and billions and trillions of miles away, stars that can be falling and not even get close to Earth here. Does that make sense? why wouldn't it be he says it over and over and over i used to say well literally they can't come to earth and fall on here cuz it'd destroy the earth that's right god is not going to let that happen and he will not let man destroy it because that's exactly what would happen right now if man had the choice he would do it you can shut down the internet and you could pretty well shut down the whole world you can you can send a virus that is what biological or you can send all sorts of missiles you can do whatever you want. you can do that here and pretty well destroy the world seven times over what keeps that from happening because we got a lot of sinners out there that don't care about this world who kill others and kill themselves if they had the opportunity they would do it god's not going to let anyone destroy this earth And whether it be Russia or China or the Middle East or America, it is not going to happen. Some people that are unbelievers say, how can you say that? You don't know that. Sure I do. I've got the book. It tells me that Christ is going to come back before He destroys it. But it's sure going to look destroyed because when you see signs in the heavens like this, you say, it's all over. The sky is falling. (laughs) It will be. It'll be falling. So I want to tell you, everything is careening in space. It's going crazy. And you know what? This is exactly how God has it in plan. Now, I want you to look at verse 25. Um, It says that on the earth dismay among nations perplexity verse 26 men fainting so what do we got here well sunoke is dismay or anguish severe anxiety the greek means this it is unusual to see this word it's very rare to use this word it's severe anxiety and we read in, read that in one of the old testament passages earlier the people are going to be in absolute terror and anguish you think people are in terror and anguish today they go out and buy you know what we know about that eh? toilet paper and paper towels and all the paper products. And we know the story and I'm not even going to go into that. We're tired of hearing it. But it's because they're, they're terrorized and, and they're so ancient. If people wouldn't do that, it would be the same as always and everything would be on the shelves. But they think this could go on for weeks and months and uh, and could be. But why are they, why are they beating each other up? You know, and we thought the other day, boy, if you show some of this, if you bought just a package of toilet paper and you had it in your car, and you you go to another store, somebody peeks in there. You know what? I've got a feeling somebody might try to steal that from you. Which before they had never done such a thing, right? That's what is happening with these kind of words. Uh, the next word is uh, perplexity. Have you ever been perplexed? Well, this word goes beyond that. It means to be chained. It means that men will be gripped and bound by anxiety. Totally in chains. In bondage to it. Hmm. You know what? I don't want to be in bondage to anything. As a Christian, you don't have to be. The words here are like no other time that has happened. The words are rare. It's a time of chaos. It's a time of absolute confusion and people can't do anything about it. Oh, can we identify with that? People are—they really can't do anything about There's no solution to it. Man finally can't get out his best minds and technology and beat every force that comes along. Revelation 8 verse 7 all the environmentalists are going to have a fit at this time, aren't they? (laughs) Chapter 8 verse 7 the first sound of there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were thrown to the earth and a third of the earth was burned up. A third of it was burned up. You think of California with all of its fires and out west. Well that was pretty immense. We're talking about a third of the earth burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. Remember Moses? The Nile River became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea had life, they died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the, on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many died from the waters because they were made better. People are dying right and left. You can't even count all the deaths that are happening at this this time the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened and the day would not shine for a third of it and the night in the same way then i looked and heard an eagle flying in mid heaven, saying with a loud voice, "Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound." These are trumpet judgments. This is when the la- in the last maybe five to seven months before Christ comes back. See all these things happening? Just absolute zany, and the you know the people can't do anything. About it. Wow. There are the oceans destroyed. There are the fresh water destroyed. Mountains are exploding. Heavenly bodies are failing. Tremendous storms. Hailstones coming down. Great big snowflakes about this size. <laughs> that snow we saw all go here, you know, at about 36 degrees and it's raining and then the snowflakes are the biggest snowflakes I've ever seen in my life. But they weren't hailstones. They weren't 100 pound hailstones. God's going to do that. You know, He's done that before. In the Old Testament, you see, there was a prophecy there that dealt with hailstones that were huge, that He caused to come down upon people in judgment. Skies are turning black. How do you figure this out? They're fainting with fear. They're so shocked. They're fainting, literally. Literally fainting. They're literally scared to death you've heard that expression ah oh, scared to death these people die because of their fright of what is happening i guess that would be natural wouldn't it no hope no relief from these relentless attacks that's been going on and they get worse and worse relentless people dropping dead of cardiac arrest just because they're scared it's shocking this is coming from the. this uh, is coming from the Jesus here Isaiah said this in Isaiah 13 8, all hands will fall limp every man's heart will melt they'll be terrified pains and anguish will take hold of them they were like a woman in labor they'll look at one another in astonishment their faces aflame scared to death others will be scared but cannot die they cannot they want to die But they can't kill themselves. They want to be buried alive just to escape what's next. We read that earlier in Revelation 6.15. It's all over. It's a catastrophic end of human history here. This devastating shock that they have. These words would not be used ordinarily in the Greek. This kind of dismay, this perplexity, this fainting. This is again on... Steroids, these acts are. Global catastrophe. The world is engulfed in anxiety and fear. And then we get to verse 27. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. This is our Lord. What's the final sign? What's the sign of your coming? Well, you have that abomination of Desolation. That was a sign. We've seen all these other signs. This is the sign of signs. What is that sign? We've seen signs all through persecution and such. The surrounded by harmonies, the harmonies of desolation. Well, it's absolutely black. No lights, a fearful time, pitch blackness. Out of that blackness, the whole world then all of a sudden as quickly as the flash of lightning. And we talked about this in back, I guess, many weeks ago when we were in Luke uh, I think seventeen. Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, seventeen. Verse twenty four. For just like the lightning when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in His day. (laughs) There it is. Just this lightning bolt has to be the most magnificent lightning show that you will ever see. And He comes on the scene. You know what? It's a glorious culmination after all this has happened. He was humiliated. He was a humiliated Christ the first time, but he's going to return as the i guess the eternal exalted Christ. Praise God! Exalted. This is what it's leading to. He comes to judge. He comes to kill but He also comes to start His kingdom. So it's two ways of looking at it, isn't it? The sign is the Son of Man. The sign is Jesus Christ Himself in the flesh. Old Testament expression, the sign of the Son of Man. This is the light of God in full blazing glory. God is light. And it will be so much brighter than the sun ever has been. Look in Daniel 7.13. You get the Son of Man. Anybody that knew the Old Testament at all knew about the Son of Man. And at this time, 7.13, I kept looking in the night visions Daniel was having, and behold, he says, check this out. This is unbelievable. With the clouds of heaven one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed." Father gives this to His Son. It's time to go, Son. And out of heaven, he explodes out of the clouds of heaven, the Son of Man. Did the Old Testament people know this? Absolutely, they know about it. Uh, Psalm 104 mentions it. Isaiah 19:1 mentions the Son of Man. Revelation 1:7. There you have clouds that are associated with Christ as He ascended into heaven, and He will come back with the clouds. They're associated with Christ. The clouds, And of course, you can think in the Old Testament with Moses and the Israelites: cloud by day, fire by night. That's representing the very presence of God, His power, His great glory. This is staggering. Uh, the, it's so simple in the Scripture. The word power, it, you know, this power that created the world, that created the universe, this power that sent Christ here on earth to come back to life, that resurrection power, this is the power that we're talking about. This power to do all these judgments that He does. Sun and the moon and the whole earth and all those things. That's power, isn't it? power on an unbelieving world. You know what? This world has been cursed since Adam and Eve. It's been cursed. And the final payment will be made. No more sin. No more iniquity. Right? You know what? He says in Luke and we're done. very last verse. But when these things take place, straighten up. Lift up your heads. He's talking to believers here. Because your redemption is drawing near. The final redemption. We will get glorified bodies at some time before He comes back. Some say before the tribulation. Some say during. Some say after. I still hold on to before the tribulation. But whatever it is, not only the angels will be with Him, we'll be coming back with Him in all of our glory. We celebrate His first coming. That's history. We celebrate His second coming that's in the future. Hasn't arrived, but we know full well. This is the future history of the world, folks. You've got a lot of details in the last few weeks as we've looked at God's Word. This is not fiction. It would be a tremendous fiction story to write this, but this is absolutely true in every way. It's all truth. I finish out with this. It's the grand passage. It's found in the last book. I promise we will be finished with this today. in a few minutes. Let's pick it up at Revelation 19.11. You have the great wedding feast. The Lamb and the Bride. And then in verse 11, I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, not a donkey. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. It's all righteous. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven. Clothed in fine linen. White and clean. These are the righteous acts of the saints. The righteousness that's been given to us. We're following Him on white horses. From His mouth comes a sharp sword. So that with it He may strike down the nations. And He will rule them with a rod of iron. And He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on His robe and on His thigh, He has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. That's our Lord and Savior. That's Him in all His glory. That's Him in His victory. We're with Him. We get to be a part of it. And we are today and we will be forever. God. We'll get to see this with our literal glorious eyes. And So, be praying for those and be giving the lost the truth of the Gospel, the light of the glory of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only thing that will save them from that. Judgment that is to come. Lord, thank you for giving us a panoramic view of this glorious vision that we see with our spiritual eyes. Thank you, Lord, that you are doing your righteous acts because you're holy. Thank you for bringing us into your kingdom so that we can take great comfort, great encouragement, realizing that You are in absolute control. Your Word says this. Thy Word is truth. In Jesus' name, Amen.